Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. Uh, we are really glad that you guys are uh, here to worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, today, we are going to be wrapping up our series called Decades. And in that, we've been looking at the different uh, decades of life and really unpacking them as chapters, uh, as like a story. And our lives are a story. And uh, the minute we're born, we begin living that out. And each kind of year of time and decade of time, we have different things that, that we need to focus on, different things that we need to uh, take advantage of. And the good news is, as the song we just sang is basically saying that God is the same. He never changes. Day after day, he's the same. But in life, each of our days is, is not the same, and it changes every day. We change. And because of that, we're always really trying to figure out what we should be focusing on. And the present time, we probably aren't going to be doing the same thing as that we used to do when we were younger. And in the future, we're probably not going to be doing what we are doing now. And so there's a sense in which we need wisdom. We need guidance of kind of what to focus on, what to move beyond, and really this idea of how do we progress and move forward in life. And so this series has been kind of looking at, beginning in your 20s, what are the keys uh, to focus on? And what are the things that are really important for each stage of life. So we, we hope that it's been a help to you. If you've missed any of the decades, let's say you missed the first week and you're in your 20s and you've just been thinking like, I have no purpose in life. I missed that message. Uh, we want to review today. And if you missed the 30s and you're in your 30s, you're thinking like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. We're going to review that as well. And so if you've missed any of the decade that you're in, um, we hope that this series is not just applying specific to your age and stage, but giving you principles that you can really live out no matter how old you are. And that's really how life works. There's principles that we can apply and learn from no matter kind of what we're facing or no matter what our background, uh, no matter even the decisions we've made. There's things that we can do even right here and now. So in your program, if everyone could open that out, and there's a page inside that has a review, and it should say decades on the top, making the most of life. And I just want to review those just so we're all on the same page. For each of the decade, they'll have the focus, the goal, and then the danger. And it's important to know not only the focus and the goal, but the danger is important too because it gives the sense of what do we do when we get off track? Or what do we do if we focus on the wrong things? And so for anything that we should focus on, it gives us a sense of what do we need to watch out for. And so I just want to review that just so we're all on the same page. And so we began the series talking about the 20s, and that's really the idea of you lay the foundation for your life. Uh, you need a picture of what you need to build with your life. And the only way you're going to know that is if you learn. And the only way to learn is if you, you have to actually commit to training. You have to commit and understand that, that you don't know everything about life. But the crazy thing about the 20s is that sometimes you feel like you know the most. Right? Sometimes the younger you are, it feels like you know more, and then the older you get, you realize how little you knew. Isn't that kind of weird how that works? I feel like when I was 17, I had so much more of life figured out. And now I look back and I, I think I had no clue, and I'm still trying to figure it out. That's how that life works. But training is important. It needs to start in that period of our 20s. It starts a little bit after uh, our 20s, or it doesn't start, but it continues. And sometimes you have to get training even before your 20s. In teams, you need to start learning about life. You need to start learning about the reality of decisions and how that impacts uh, the future. 
And that begins with training. And so the goal is to aggressively pursue training and biblical wisdom while remaining teachable. The idea is you can only be trained if you realize you need it. Right? Has anyone ever told you to do something, maybe like a parent, and you'd never ask them for what they thought? Your parent tells you something, and I'm sure for most of us, we don't have to go that far back to kind of remember that. Like, you know, you should really do this, and there's that part of us who's like, sure, but I want to do it my way. Or, I know that, that's what I was doing, even though we maybe weren't. There's a sense in which it's hard to actually recognize the need for training. And part of this goal is to pursue it aggressively, meaning we really want to figure things out. So kind of the picture of this time is like there's always a sense in which we have something to write notes about. We're we're observing, we're learning, and we're just writing notes about how life works. That's the idea of, of training. The danger is the failure to learn the basics of life and not gaining traction. So in your 20s, you really want to learn about being responsible and commitment. And when you say you're going to do something, a big part of your training is you actually have to do it. But if you spend your 20s and you don't actually nail down what it means to be a committed person, what it means to be faithful to something that you've said, that's going to really impact the rest of your decades. So a big part of training is to get that traction early on. Realize that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And that's going to bless and impact those around you for the rest of your life. But that begins way back in your late teens and in your early 20s. The next week we talked about the 30s and how that is building carefully. The focus is on building. So for the series, you'll see this picture. So I looked, talked about this last week, but you see the guy in front of the glass sitting down with his head in the books. That's training. Think about training, though. It's not just looking at books. It's also learning from others. That's a big part of it as well. But what happens next is the guy on the right is now kind of building on this foundation, which he started in his 20s, and he's building the structure. And that's what it is. In your 20s, you learn what you need to build. And then in your 30s, you actually kind of learn how to do it. And you actually start. It moves beyond theory to now, like, I have to figure out life. I have to know what it means to be a parent. I may have received training on parenting, but in my 30s, I'm actually a parent. And a textbook doesn't help me when my kid is throwing a tantrum. That's just part of your building. Like, how do I figure out how to help my child? How do I build my career? We go to school in our 20s. We finish school in our 20s. We continue training. Then in the 30s, now we actually have to show our company that the training that we received, the studies that we learned, can actually help us to build something that's going to benefit the company and benefit those connected to the company. You actually have to show them the money. That's what they're saying. Show me the money. That means build something. Create something. Take something that has existed in theory and make it, make it happen. And that's what the 30s are about. The goal is staying faithful, or sorry, the goal is building carefully to the key arenas of life while remaining faithful and humble. So there's a sense in like, you can't let go of building any area. So in your 30s, you have to build your career. And you need to build your relationships. And you need to build ministry. You need to think, how can I still do what God wants me to do? What does he want me to build as I serve the church? What does he want me to build as I invest in people? All that time you're building in each arena. The danger of this decade of life in the 30s is letting priorities slip and building on the wrong foundation. So it's easy to get sidetracked in the middle of building where you've got like a hammer over here and then you've got a saw and you're just trying to like build every kind of part of your life. 
And all of a sudden you think like, this is just too much. I can't build this. And so you just think, well, I'm just going to focus on my career. And as you focus on your career and you're building this career, you realize that your relationships are now dwindled. You're not connected to people. You're, you're isolated. Maybe as you focus on the relationships, because now your career is set, then you focus on your relationships, and now you realize, like, your ministry's dwindled because you focus so much on just kind of being with people that you've not realized, like, well, who, who do I need to serve and who can I help? And so there's always that tension. Then that leads to the 40s. So you've kind of gotten the picture of what your life should be. In your 30s, you begin to build the life that God wants you to have. And in your 40s, this is where everything begins in some ways, to fall apart. And we talked about that last week. Your 40s are really enduring. Now, it doesn't mean that it falls apart because you were a bad builder. It means, just like the picture, there's fires in life in this stage that crop up more than any other decade in life. And so I am kind of in the middle of my building years moving towards the fire. There's a part of me which thinks, well... I don't like fire, and I don't want to climb that ladder up. What you find is as you're faithful in the decade you're in, God prepares you for the next decade, and that's true of every one of these. But the enduring comes from really having the conviction that what you're building is important. What you're building is vital. In fact, the things that you're building in your family, in your career, in your ministry, in your relationships, all these are worth enduring the flames of trouble. As things falls apart, you realize that you have to kind of pull it back together. That's what the 40s is about. It's not that the trouble is something that we enjoy, but we realize what we're trying to build is more important than just trying to ease out of the pain that we experience. So that's really important for your 40s is to, in, to endure. The goal, staying faithful to commitments and enduring in faith. So your 40s can look a lot like this. God, I don't know how all this is going to work out. We've raised our kids and they're beginning to make decisions and they're becoming independent, but I can't control them. I have no idea what they're going to do. Or I've worked really hard in my career and I've invested 15 to 20 years and I really want this promotion that will really help my life and my family and those connected to me, but I do not know if I'm going to get it. And you realize that all the things that you need God to come through in, you have little control in. He has to act and you have to endure in faith while you see what he does. And that's what the 40s are about. The 50s turn the corner a little bit in life. Now, again, it's not something like when you're 49 and a half, you endure, and then six months later you have your 50th birthday, and then the water just gets on the fire, and it's like, oh. Hawaii, just, you get like you win a trip to Hawaii for the next 10 years. It doesn't work like that. But there's a sense in which the fires begin to dwindle out a little bit. And through God's faithfulness in life in the 40s, you begin to see that he's taught you some lessons. And he's burned away some things that maybe we're focusing on that we didn't need to focus on or we did that we didn't need to do. And that's what happens in the 40s. In your 50s, you begin this stage of encouraging. Now, this makes sense because if you look at the picture, the guy has like the big old bucket of water and he's pulling it into the glass. Now, who's highest in this picture? It's the guy in his 50s. He's on the top. He has the greatest vantage point. So in a way, a 50s is the picture of, you know that fire down there? You'll actually survive that. You think that that's going to destroy your life. 
And it may come close, and it's going to be the most difficult thing you face, but you know what? At the top, you don't feel the heat in the same way. Or he's yelling to the guy in the 20s, hey, you know, as you're learning all this stuff, pay attention, because it's going to really help you as you begin to build. And he's telling the guy who's building, hey, that, that's right. Make sure you focused on that post, because that's going to hold this whole structure together. And that's what the 50s and 60s are about. It's having a vantage point in life that you've not had before any other stage. And the only reason you have that vantage point is because you have to build the foundation by training. You have to begin building on it in the doing. You then had to endure when the things got difficult. And then only as you passed through those phases did you really learn more about what God was doing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to pour out your life later in life so that you can be a blessing and encouragement to others. Now, this kind of makes sense, because as you looked at each decade, there's a part in which you're like, man, this is this is hard. Life is hard. Do you ever find yourself saying that? Like you just wake up and you like have all the list of the things you have to do in life and at work. And then maybe like with family, and you've got to go to this thing and you've got to go to that thing. And all of a sudden you're like, remember when summer was fun? You guys ever feel like that? Remember like when all you waited for in life when you were young was summer vacation. It was like you didn't care what happened in April and May of your life because June, July, and August, it was good. And you become an adult and you're, it's just hotter. (laughs) You get a vacation, but then you have to go back. I was at a vacation just a couple weeks ago and we were at the beach and it was kind of ending and our last day there, it was pouring with rain. And all I could think of, this represents how I feel. You know, it's kind of rained on my parade. But that's life. You can't be on vacation forever. This is hard, but in your 50s, you give perspective and you give encouragement. And for those that are in the tougher phases, whether they're training, building, or enduring, in your 50s, you now have a different vantage point, a different role to play for the younger generations. So that's what we're going to talk about today. However, there's a part in which growing older actually has a stigma to it in our society. And I think all of us could agree that there's not this movement where everyone is like, growing older is going to be the best thing that ever happened. I'm picking out the rocking chair, and I'm going to sit in it and enjoy it. Right? That doesn't happen. There's a thing like, you have to avoid aging. If you've watched TV recently especially in certain times of the day, you will find there is millions and millions and billions of dollars poured into this movement of reclaiming youth, staying young. If you just like rub it right here like three times a day and like don't smile too much, you're good. The idea is like no one wants to be old. That's physically, that's part of a reality of life. But it's also true that People kind of like not sure where the older generation fits. We're a youth culture. Kind of the younger you are, the more energy you have, the more ideas you have, the more creative, the more tech savvy, the more you can start things. And so there's a sense like in the marketplace, in family life, sometimes it's like where do we put the older people? That's that's what happens. There's a commercial I want to show you that kind of shows this pull that we have to kind of flee away from, from aging. Let's watch it today. Let's watch it right now. 
Hello there. I'm here to pick up Helen. Mom, he's here. Nice wheels. Oh, thanks. Kiss me, young. Hello there, handsome. Your dinner's in the microwave, dear. Where do you want to go? Any place. Just drive. Mom? could only buy the red Chevy. You come out old, but you go in young. That's what they're saying. You get this, you, you, you get to be young again. Adventure, going fast. But that's kind of like a sentiment that represents a lot of culture. Eh, we don't really want to be older. We want to feel younger. And if I can get a product that can do that or make me feel a certain way, then I'm going to invest thousands of dollars into it. What you find, though, is that in Scripture, there's actually a very different view of the aging process. And it really is a vision and purpose for those that are in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, and in their 80s, and beyond. There's a sense in which you still have a lot to offer, because again, your vantage point is different than anyone else who's not reached your age and stage yet. So in the scriptures, it really comes against this idea of old age is something to avoid. In the Bible, it's clear that actually aging is something that is an honor. It's something valuable. And what you find in scripture is that God views growing old as an honor. It's something that actually should be embraced. Uh, There's a few scriptures that, that describe this. Proverbs 16.31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. The righteous life, it's a picture of like gray hair, like there's a sense in which you've lived life. I don't know about you, but have you ever gone down the hair product aisle and seen gray colored hair? And it marketed like crown of glory? You know, gray hair just for men crown of glory no they go to get the black to get the brown to get the blonde not so much the gray you want to hide the gray but in scripture it's a picture of a life lived experience lessons learned it's a crown of glory it is gained in a righteous life proverbs twenty twenty nine says this the glory of young men is their strength so when you're young you're really strong that's what makes you valuable in a lot of situations But the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Now notice it doesn't say the splendor of an old man is if he's still strong. No, the reality is he's not going to be as strong as he was when he was younger. What it's saying is, again, his experience, which you can see visually in the gray hair. Now, if you're here this morning and you're already like thinking about like how many gray hairs you have on the side of your head. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, dude, is that a gray one? No, it's, it's white. It doesn't count. Like, it's just white. Like, I don't know how that came, but... Right? There's part of you, you're like, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not supposed to have gray hair. But there's a sense in which as your hair gets gray, it's showing, like, you're aging in life. And Lord willing, you're, you're learning. You're gaining experience. You're ga- gaining valuable lessons. 
And then Psalm, Psalm 92, 14 says this. This is a description of people that are in the older generation. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So there's a picture of the people that have seen God come through again and again in their life. They're able to remind people of what is really true. Because a lot of times when you're in your younger years, you're trying to just get your bearings. You're trying to figure out what is right. You're trying to figure out what's true. You're trying to figure out, is God there? Is he real? Can I trust him? And what this verse is saying is, as you age in life and you've seen God come through again and again, no matter what you've faced, that is something that you can pass on and encourage others. That's a great encourage. It puts courage into people. And that's what this stage is about. Uh, Retirement, though, is something that you kind of are faced with as you begin in your 50s and in your 60s. Retirement is like the goal. And retire actually means to withdraw to or from a particular place. It's kind of a sense you, you build your life, you endure, and then you retire. And the picture of retirement a lot of times is you just, you just do, do nothing. You just get to enjoy life finally. You get to maybe buy something that you never got to buy. You maybe get to go somewhere you never got to go. And everyone wants to work for retirement age. And hope that we have enough money to enjoy it. That's what retirement is. There's been studies on retirement that show it actually is not really everything it's cracked up to be. Now, this morning is not about ruining retirement for anyone. If you leave here and say, I'm never going back. Because I want to retire and just enjoy my life. It's not about that. But what the stats show is that retirement is not this magic key that all of a sudden life was difficult and then life is now good. In fact, uh, the last study that was done uh, recently, uh, 25% felt like retirement was worse than their life before it. 25%. 44% that felt like it's the same, like there's no real change. Not, not really, really different. And then 29 said that it's better. So only 4% agree that retirement is better than not. I don't know about you, but that's different than the sentiment I get. Because retirement seems like that's what you worked your whole life for. The clouds disappear and the sun is just shining. But what you find is retirement is just you in a later stage of life. And if you've not focused on the right things in retirement, you're not going to focus on the right things. And if you weren't happy before retirement, a lot of times you're not happy in retirement. That's how life is. It doesn't miraculously change. So it's really important as we approach retirement, as we're motivated to get there, to really think about what really matters. And in a moment, I'm going to ask Neil Walker to share, and he's going to really walk through the things that he's experienced in his life, because there's nothing worse than a guy in his 30s talking about his 50s, right? Unless some of you are like, he's not 50? No! I mean, I wish. But before, but before I invite Neil, I want to just set some kind of parameters for this sense of looking beyond retirement to pouring out your life. And what you find in Scripture is, is the duty of a godly person later in life. 
is to give wise counsel to the younger. It's actually a part of a life well lived that you see. It is your duty to pour out the things that you've learned, to explain how God's come through, to even describe the things that you did that you regret to the younger generation. That is, you need to let people see your life and learn from you. That's part of your duty. Uh, this happened many times in Scripture. You see people at the end of their life giving perspective. It happened with Moses. And then in his life, as he's about to kind of rescind the, the authority and power to Joshua, who's going to take over, um, he sings a song. And this song is really this encouragement to the people, encouragement to the younger generation. And what he's describing is God's goodness and how he came through. And in Deuteronomy 32.7, this is some things he said. Now, I'm not going to sing this because... It wouldn't go well, but this is the idea. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. What Moses is saying is, don't forget the amazing things God has done. So in one point, he's talking to the people that have experienced it, to the older crew. Don't forget the things that God has done. He's done amazing things. He's taken us out of slavery and brought us freedom. He's provided food when we need it. Don't forget what God has done. So he's telling the older crew, you've got to remember. And the reason why is he's encouraging the younger crew. For those that are distant from what God has done, for those of you that you kind of forget what happened or you weren't even born when that happened, ask. Ask. Draw it out. Try to learn from those that have gone ahead of you. The idea is remember, and then if you're younger, ask the people. You want to ask for what they've learned. And there's another part in Scripture that this is kind of on the positive side. It's kind of remember all that God has done. In Joel in the Old Testament, uh, this is a time, a tumultuous time in Israel's history where they had rebelled and they'd made bad decisions and they had had a lot of regret. And that's what happens in life, too. Even when you're old and you have a different vantage point, you can really struggle with regret in life, bitterness about how things have turned out. And that can be just a burden on you in your later years, wishing that you had done something different, wishing that an outcome would have changed. But what you find is God wants to use even the mistakes to be an encouragement to those that are coming after you. In Joel chapter 1, it says this, Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. Now again, this wasn't when everything was going well. The sense of don't just gloss over and make it seem like every part of life was fantastic. Or you did everything perfectly. Be real. Show how despite the things that you've done, God still came through. And that's part of the duty of pouring out your life in your later years. I had God's grace. By the decisions I made, things turned out well. And I had God's grace by some things that I regret. And God even used that for my good and for the good of those around me. So there's a sense that no matter what we've done, even later in life, when we look back in regret, we can encourage the younger people by reminding them that 
We've made mistakes and God still came through. At this point, I want to invite Neil up to, to share with us. And the reason I've done this, I've actually, I was thinking about this, Neil, as you come up, but I met Neil when I was 17 years old. I remember how I said, like, I, I had everything figured out. Well, Neil was a guy that I realized he, he knew a lot more than me. And through the years, starting from when I met him when I was in college, his uh, oldest daughter, Jen, uh, was a peer of me and my wife, Samantha, and we went to school together. And I've known Neil for many years now. And through that time, one thing I've noticed about Neil is that he's decided to give his life to some things that really matter to God. And um, he's really in... You're in your 50s now, bro? 60. 60. Okay. Sorry, I put you on the spot there. So good. Um, but, you know, in, in these later decades, he's really had to choose to focus on what we've been talking about. And so I just wanted him to share... Uh, really beginning with the motivation of his life, uh, because as you get older, there's a, a sense in which you can check out and you can kind of begin to not focus on others and not focus on the things that are important to God, but really focus on retirement, focus on kind of getting everything that I've wanted to get that I haven't been able to get in life. So, Neil, if you could share, how, how has God just helped you to continue to to motivate you to, to choose the things that are, you know, are pleasing to God and the things that... Uh, are, are important to him. Sure. Um, well, part of that is just, you know, how do you, um, how do you stay motivated to invest in people younger? More and more, what I find is those are the only people that are alive. And so, uh, you know, it's always helpful to invest in those. Write that uh, down. Write you know. that down. One of the things it said, it said, gray hair is a glory for old men. That's because they have hair. That's why they're excited about that. <laughs> they're like, it doesn't matter. It's hair. You know, I mean, good night. This is exciting. So, you know, that's one of those things. But it's, I think, um, as far as specifically, I work with college students. And uh, so what keeps me motivated there, part of it, I think, is, is just understanding. That was a time when God really dealt with my life. And, therefore, it was a time that was... Uh, um, really very uh, meaningful for me. It was a time that was very pivotal. It's a time that I find is, is very pivotal in most people's lives because it can change the total trajectory of their life with the decisions that are made, uh, either for good or for bad, depending upon how they make them and stuff. And uh, I think another reason I enjoy it um, is I, I really enjoy helping uh, students to kind of navigate uh, the questions uh, that they have during college, which usually when you're when you're in college, part of the thing you think, oh, my gosh, I have so many options, you know. And so you're looking around and you think, you know, what am I going to give my life to? Who am I going to spend my life with? What's really going to be the purpose of my life? And helping them navigate those, but helping them also to understand that as you walk through life, the questions change. You know, you're, you're, if you're 30 years old and you're still asking those things, there's a problem. Okay, if you're 40 and you're still asking those things, there's, there's a real problem. You know, the questions begin to change. And in your 30s, you begin to realize how much more you're responsible for. And then you begin to ask yourself, how do I prioritize all of this? What do I really do first? How, how do I make sense of this? When you get to your 40s, you begin to think, why is it there are so many fewer options than there seem like there used to be in my 20s? I, I, I don't really see there's that many options anymore. Then you get to your 50s, and all of a sudden you see some people you went to college with, and you think, good night, they're old. Um, I wonder if I'm old. Uh, what am I giving my life to that's going to outlive me? 
And so the questions will begin to change, but God's faithfulness doesn't change and his word doesn't change. And so helping them to understand that whatever stage of life you're in, whether it's in your 20s, 30s, 40s, um, you can learn from God and you can learn from his word and it will really um, give you a foundation that you can uh, launch from. So Neil, Neil is the, I should have mentioned this earlier, he's the director of Christian Challenge at USC. And so he, he works with college students. And you've also had really the, the opportunity to see college students that have come through the ministry of Christian Challenge. And they, they graduate, but you've still, for many people, still been able to pour out your life even past college. And so how has that been just a, a privilege to you to kind of see people that have move from this training period to then uh, the later periods in life? Well, I think it's been, it's been great. I mean, I, I have loved watching them, especially as they move in, and all of a sudden they begin to have children. And, you know, when you're single, you have all sorts of wonderful theories about raising children. Uh, you know, have you ever noticed this? Have you ever been sitting in a restaurant and there's young parents over here with a child? I mean, it's their one chance to get out. They have to bring the kids, okay? It's their one chance, and you're sitting there going, now, if I had kids, this is what I would do. Because you're experts when you have no kids. And so then you sit around. But suddenly, you know, it's been fun for me. I watch these folks as they, as they grow, as they get married, as they have children. Suddenly they're going, oh, my gosh, it's not as easy as I thought. And you're like, yeah, it's not, is it? Isn't this fun? And then you begin to watch. But to, for me, the real joy is watching how they have in turn passed on things, how they have in turn continue to build the same character, to build the same values, to build the same qualities, not only into their own kids, but into other people. They really practice hospitality. They invite other people into their homes. They invite other people into their lives and share their lives with other people. And I think that's been huge. Uh, um, we, get, we get great joy out of watching uh, folks really walk on with God and really walk in the truth. What, what would you say um, are the things that God's helped you with as, as you've kind of entered your 50s and you begin to still just try to pour into the, the younger generations and then as you're now in, in your 60s, how, how has God helped you kind of maintain really the, this idea of investing and, and pouring out your life? Mm-hmm. I think... Well, one, I think I've, uh, I've really tasted and seen God's faithfulness, so I, I really want to be a part of that. I really want to continue to walk with him, and uh, I've seen his kindness. Um, I mean, even the seasons of life, I look and I think, you know, God doesn't need seasons. I mean, he, he's, it's, he's fine with one season, you know. But, I mean, you know, for us, we need seasons because, if, if, I mean, if you're a young parent, you know, you're a young parent and you've got kids that wake up at crazy hours and do stuff like that. And you have to not only get up and you're tired and you're worn out, but you have to be kind to them and you have to be responsible. And if you thought this will last till the day I die, then there would be one child born in the world today and no other children would be born because you would think, no, I don't want to do that. But, you know, there's seasons and God takes you through seasons. And so I think when you 
when you taste, when you see how, how good God is, you, you really want to uh, go on. I think another thing that kind of keeps me, um, how I continue to kind of battle the whole thing is I try to tell myself the truth. I uh, don't always do it successfully, but I try. You know, I, I tell myself things like, you know, as Rick Warren would say, life is not about you. You know, and so I remember, no, life isn't about me. Life is about other people, and I need to, uh, I need to re- really remember that. I also tell myself things like, you know, the whole idea of retirement, that's an American concept. That is not a biblical concept. That is definitely not a kingdom concept. I mean, if the thing you're living for is retirement, well, good night, get a grip. The thing you should be living for is well done, good and faithful servant. And so, you know, you, you don't achieve that. At, at Well, sometimes you achieve it at 65, I guess. It depends on when you go. But, I mean, you achieve that at the end. And so you need to live your life all the way through. I, I see a lot of people that they live to a certain point, and then they quit living at 65, and they just retire. They retire from life. And I think, no, 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 no. You know, don't, don't die before you're dead. You know, don't do that. You know, just live all the way through and live for the right things. And I think, um, you know, just... Reminded of the thought that, um, excuse me, how you finish is how you're remembered. And so, you know, you want to finish well because, you know, if, it doesn't matter whether you're in a job, whether you're in uh, life, whatever you're in, how you finish, that's how you're remembered. You know, you, uh, you um, mess up and uh, don't do well, that's how you're remembered the rest of your life, you know. So you want to, uh, you want to really um, continue to think through, I think, you know, in um, in thinking through several of those things, I think the other thing was just watching watching who I admire. I remember sitting at a conference here a few years ago, and uh, a friend that um, two two different guys were getting ready to speak, and one of them had just turned 51, and he walked up and he sat on the edge of the stage and he was like, "Oh, I just you know life is hard." Just turned 51, and he's kind of going off about this stuff, and I'm listening to him, you know, and kind of like, okay. There was this other guy who was a friend. He was 86, and he charged the stage, and he got up there, and he goes, we're going to talk about discipleship today. (laughs) And I thought, now that's who I want to be, not that. I don't want to be a guy that at 51, I don't have to worry about this, I'm not 51 anymore, but, you know, I don't want to be the guy that at 51 is like, oh, my gosh, you know, I think, try to just see it through to retirement. I think, oh, good night, no. You know, I think, live your life in such a way that, it, that it's, really, um, it's really worthwhile. So I try to figure out who are the guys that I run with, who are the guys I admire, and I make sure that I, I set my sight on the right ones and not the wrong ones. Thanks for a lot of, a lot of perspective. Is, is there anything, um, as you, now, like the picture, you, you have a different vantage point. But is, is there anything just for those of us here that are in our 20s, 30s, uh, 40s, and you, you mentioned a lot for people in, in your own decade, but you have any just advice for those that are kind of in those different stages, whether that's specific to the decade or just general principles? Sure. Well, one thing I'd say is, you know, ask questions. You know, if you'll ask questions now, you can set yourself up for success later on. You know, you do not have to go through and experience everything yourself and then find out, oh, that's how that works. 
ask questions of people that are further down the road. In fact, if I were you, I'd be thinking several years down the road and beginning to ask questions that will help you to really grow in that. Um, I think another thing is just, just be a lifelong learner. You know, uh, if you know, one of the things that we try to tell students is that, you know, you're never going to learn everything you need to know while you're here at SC. Uh, it's walking with God or academically anyway, but you're never going to learn everything about walking with God. But you can learn to be a learner. And if you'll do that, then you can learn the rest of your life and you can pick up on so many things. And so helping them to understand that and um, helping them to understand that the thing that God is most concerned about is really developing our character. And our, our character is, you know, who we are, what we do as kind of a default setting all the time. This is what we do again and again and again. And the real key to that is discipline, you know. Um, now, I don't know about you, but have you ever had that thought, well, you know, some people are disciplined, but I'm just not a disciplined person. You know, I mean, some people are disciplined, but I'm not. Well, I used to think things like that. And I would look at it, and, and that's because I didn't understand what discipline meant. Discipline, there, there, I would read verses like uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7, which says, Have nothing to do with old wives' tales, fit only for old women. But on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And I would think, discipline, yes. And I would think the word really meant just like self-control. No, that's not what the word means at all. It's a, it's a word in the original language. It, it, it means training. Train yourself. For the purpose of godliness. In fact, the same word is used in Second uh, Peter 2.14 where Peter's talking about this. He says, these are people who are trained in greed. Same word, discipline. They are disciplined in greed. See, it's not like there's some people that are disciplined and some people that aren't. Everybody's disciplined. It's just that some people are disciplining themselves to be godly. And some people are disciplining themselves to not be. You are disciplining yourself every single day. You are training. And so what I would encourage you is, you know, what the way you're training yourself right now is how you're going to come out. It's how who you're going to become. It's what's going to happen to you. So the choices you're making right now, today, every day, the choices to serve, the choices to learn, the choices to ask the questions, the choices to make the right decisions. Those are developing and those are forming who you are. So if there's any tips I had, I, I would say, one, get started. You know, uh, Proverbs 13, uh, 24 says, The uh, soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made fat. So don't just, um, you know, don't just desire something. Actually do something about it. Do it. And, uh, you know, then I would say, you know, get some help. Get some help in that. Don't just get started. Get some help. Uh, Proverbs 26.12 says, you know, um, the, uh, you see a man who's wise in his own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. So I think, you know, don't just sit around and think, well, I'll figure this out. I, I probably know. No, 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 no. Get with some people who can help you to get some training and, and grow on that. And then stay after it. Stay after, you know, Proverbs, uh, what is it, 24.16 says, uh, the righteous man falls seven times, yet rises again. Now, he's not righteous because he falls seven times. He's righteous because he rises again. You know, so just stay after it. And just, you know, if you keep after it, you keep walking with God, then over time God will really uh, 
He'll, he'll, he'll really do a work in your life that will make it a blessing to other people. Thanks, Brad. Let's sure. give Neil a hand. As you, as you hear that, at least for me, I'm, I think that's perspective. <laughs> the vantage point is different than my own, and that's perspective. And that's what this stage is all about. I'm going to wrap up, and while I do that, if the band could come up, um, we're really glad you're here. We're going to, as soon as I'm done, we're going to sing a song and receive our offering, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. But I just want to encourage you. I went through kind of each decade, and just based on the things that you've heard today and the things that Neil said, uh, if there's just a sense of something that, that you need to do or you need to talk to or you have a question or there's something that you need to do, I, I encourage you to do that. On the back of your connection card are some next steps. And so if you turn that over, if you fill that connection card out like John asked you to, uh, go ahead and finish filling that out. And then on the back side are some next steps. But if there's just something that you need to do, like you just, I need to ask a question about this, or I need to talk to this person. I, I encourage you to do that because right now in each decade that we're in, we, we have to decide to walk by faith. And that is to focus on we, what we need to focus on and let God do what he does as God. And so I encourage you to just take the time to do that. You don't have to finish thinking today about it, but just ask God to show you maybe some things that you've heard over the course of of the last few weeks. I'm going to pray. And then, like I mentioned, we're going to sing back to God and then receive our offering. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn. And thank you for, for Neil and his life and for those that have gone before us that can set the example for us. Uh, God, I, I pray that you'll make us teachable and allow us to see the things that, that we don't know. God, I pray against discouragement and regret and bitterness, anything that we're just holding on to from the past. God, we, in faith, we, we know that you can work good even in the midst of the things that we regret. Uh, even in the, the things that, that we wish never happened. And so we trust in you. And we ask, God, that we'll be faithful to the things that you've given us. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen.